Hey guys, I hope you're all doing well today. I have an exciting announcement for you, and it's not only exciting for me, it's very, very personal. And I'll be honest, there's a little bit of, of nervousness to, to announce this because it's a project that I've been working on for almost two years now. So just to give you a little context, about five years ago, I really exploded my business. I went from being a one-man operation doing a respectable amount of deals, you know, two to three deals a month, to blowing it up to doing well over 10 deals a month, and in some months, 15 and to 20 deals a month. And there were some very specific things that I did to get there. And I have been asked for the last five years from individuals from all over the country, how did you do it? How did you blow your company up? What were the things that you did? What did you change? What did you implement? What exactly is the secret to getting this done? And I've answered this question multiple times over the last five years, but it's only been within the last few years that I started writing a book that has everything in it, all of the strategies I used to grow my business from just doing a couple deals a month to doing a dozen deals or more a month. And there are very specific things that I changed and very specific things that I implemented in my company to make that happen. And I've now put it into a book. That's right, guys. I'm an author, and you are the first ones to hear about it. I have not made this announcement publicly anywhere else. I'm doing it here to give you guys a first opportunity to take a sneak peek at the book. Now, the book won't be launching. It won't be available on Amazon or anywhere else until June 1st. But between now and the end of the month, I am offering to send this book for free to you to check it out and give me some feedback and maybe more importantly, uh, to read it so that when it does go live, you can give me an honest review in Amazon to which I would be eternally grateful. But I would love to share this book with as many of you who wants to, to read it. Now, remember, you'll be getting a sneak peek. So you're going to see all these things before anybody else does. And I'm happy to do that as, as a listener of mine. I really value your opinion and I really want to get this into your hands. So if you want to get an advanced copy of the book, please shoot me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com, subject line, book. Again, that's mike at juststartrealestate.com, subject line, book. And I will get that to you immediately. Okay, guys, let's dive into the show. I'm getting really creative on how to how to get rid of this house. Like I'm pursuing <laughs> now. I'm doing like a lease to own situation. Okay, none of them want... none of them involve like a gas can and a, a tour. <laughs> no, none of that. Not that creative, right? You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being with me. I appreciate you turning in, tuning in, not turning in, tuning in. Uh, there's other options in life. I get it. There's other things you could be doing. Lately, there's not a lot of other things you can do, but still other options. I get that. So I appreciate you spending your time with me during this day. And I have another good one for you. I'm really excited about the guest I have on today. Uh, I think she's going to really impress you. 
uh, not only with her background, which is very cool, but with the business that she is forming right now and that she's building currently as we speak and adapting and growing and loving every minute of it. Uh, so my guest today is Erin Helley, and Erin served in the U.S. Army for 14 years, and she loved every minute of it. She excelled as an engineer officer, shattering glass ceilings and paving the way for women who came after her. When she was put on orders to deploy the same month as her husband, shortly after having their first daughter, she knew the Army was no longer going to work for her, and she resigned overnight, leaving the army without a plan of what she was going to do. Erin wanted to be successful and show her daughters the value of hard work and creating something to be proud of, but did not want to be tied to a nine to five job and to be told when and where to be and when she had to be there and how long she had to be there and when she could leave. So she embarked on a quest to figure out exactly what that looked like, navigating the terrifying yet incredibly fulfilling journey to buying her first rental property led to the realization that she loved chasing the deal, negotiating, and building a solid future for her family. She, along with her husband, purchased 19 doors in the first year and a half of her business and earned six figures during the first full year of operation. Uh, she is an incredible woman with an incredible business. And without any further ado, I introduce you to Aaron Helley. Okay, Aaron, uh, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for being here. It is a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, listen, I, I want to dive into it and I want to give the audience a little bit more background on you, where you came from, why you started doing real estate what kind of pushed you in that direction or what pulled you in that direction, maybe in a lot of cases, and just give them a little bit more background on, on who you are and, and what you're, what you did before real estate. Yeah. Awesome. So I, um, was in the army for 10 years, uh, just about when I started getting into real estate, I bought my first residential single family home. At that point, I wasn't totally sure this was something I really wanted to dive into. So I decided to buy something new, knowing that I wouldn't have to put a lot into it. And it would be about as passive as it comes. Okay. Um, well, let me ask you real quick before we go too <clears throat> past the military, because thank you for that, by the way. Did you go right in out of high school into the military or did you wait a while? Yeah. So I um, graduated from high school and I went to West Point, the United States Military Academy um, up in New York. And I'd spent four years there. And kind of the deal with that is you get your four years of education for free. Yep. And then you sign on for five years of active duty to the Army. Awesome. And so I graduated in 2009, did my five years and planned to kind of keep going. And I was at that point married to another service member who went um, a specific path in the military. It's pretty limited, um, pretty specialized. So he couldn't, he can't go to a lot of places. He couldn't do a lot of things that I was doing. So the, we knew the dual military thing was going to be short lived because um, we weren't willing to be separated. You know, we spent a lot of time apart early in our relationship, uh, early in our marriage, but then we wanted to have kids. So we had our first daughter and um, three days after going back to work from maternity leave, I got put on orders to Afghanistan um, when he was already scheduled to go to Iraq. So we um, literally decided that day um, that I was going to get out. I resigned overnight. At that point, I had about eight years of active duty. And then I stayed in the reserves a little bit longer than that um, until they kicked me out when they found out I had a heart condition. Okay. Um, sometime in between that, like leaving active duty is when I started really looking into real estate. So I, I became a stay at home mom overnight. I okay. became a, um, military spouse, stay at home mom, and uh, also still a new mom. I had, my daughter was like nine months old 
Yeah. So a lot of things happened for me at one time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was a tough transition. Leaving the military was really hard for me. Um, I had a hard time with that, but getting into real estate was huge in, in terms of giving me some purpose. Um, and then also giving me some freedom to, you know, make some money, but still be able to be at home and give my family some consistency. Um, military life can be pretty crazy. So yeah, so it's really cool that we were, I was able to get into this on my own terms and at my own pace. And that pace accelerated pretty quickly. So for context, what year did you kind of start real estate? When when do you consider your start point? I bought my first property in May of 2018. Okay. Um, I went under contract with that one probably in January. I finished up the build on that, um, was able to finish, pick some of the selections. I didn't actually build the house, but I was able, it was kind of nice to give me that little bit of wiggle room to wrap my head around it and get my, you know, get my finances in order and then also start marketing for a tenant. Yeah. And so the day that I closed... We, and we had major issues closing too, because um, my husband was in, uh, I don't know, I wasn't able to really get a hold of them. And they didn't, the title company didn't like our power of attorney for some reason. There was okay. an issue with it. I can't remember. Okay. So we weren't able to close the first time. I, at the time I was early in my pregnancy with my second and I was like an emotional mess with my husband gone and like, oh, like undertaking this new business venture. And then the title company was giving us a hard time and I couldn't get a hold of my husband. And I thought it was a sign that maybe I shouldn't pursue it. (laughs) So I remember like got back in the truck to go home, like with thinking I was about to close on a property and didn't. And I was like devastated. And I called my mom because I couldn't get a hold of my husband. And I just started bawling. And I was like, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. And, (laughs) and she uh, was like, why don't you sleep on it? Let's, let's address this tomorrow. (laughs) And then I I got hold of my husband. I got the paperwork that we needed. And like two weeks later, we, we tried again and we successfully closed. So it wasn't a sign after all. Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, as far (laughs) as we know, so far it was not a sign. (laughs) Okay. So you said what I caught uh, early on when you were talking about what you bought, you say you bought a new house. Is that what I heard? Yeah. I bought a a new house. That cash flowed and made money. Yes. And and it's funny that people like, because at that time I wasn't really networking with a lot of real estate investors. I didn't even really know anybody in real estate. And so- the fact that that's kind of an anomaly wasn't something that I knew. You know, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know yeah. that like buying new construction was typically not the way that investors get into it. I just, no. I ran the numbers. It, it's a great property. And I've actually had multiple other investors try to buy this particular house from me because it just is in a great neighborhood. It's in like a higher end area, but it's a smaller house. Just, it's very appealing. It's, you know, vacancy is not an issue in this area. And where um, did you find it? How did you I found it? it on the MLS. So I started wow. looking with a realtor friend and um, I initially started looking at properties that needed work because I was like, that probably makes the most sense to get the most bang for your buck. Yep. But I was only looking on the MLS. I didn't really realize there was a lot of other ways you could find it at the time. Okay. And so I, everything I looked at, it was like, yeah, you're getting $20,000 in equity, but it needs $30,000 of work. And so right. it just didn't make any sense to me. Like I was like, how supposed to work? I, not only do I not have a team to do the construction, that's going to be a huge learning curve, probably very timely. Yeah. I, how do I even know how to budget the work? And so I quickly realized that, you know, during a burr or doing anything that needed some type of a renovation wasn't what I wanted at the time. So I said, yeah. you know what, let's just start looking at new builds. It actually gave us some wiggle room too, because we were able to get, um, like I offered full asking price on the new builds um, and the new build that I bought, but asked for blinds and a fence. 
they were like totally fine with that. And we, you know, it was completely rent ready. So like I said, I left closing, I made a copy of the key, I drove over and handed the key to the tenant, he signed the lease, gave me his deposit, and he's paid rent every single month since. Okay, couple things. This is so fascinating to me. I've been in real estate since 08. And I literally have never heard of anyone buying a brand new house off the MLS at asking price that made sense. I mean, I've never heard anybody doing it, right? So what's great is, what's great about this industry and probably anything that anyone really endeavors to do, sometimes the more you know, you can get in your own way, right? Because if you were to talk to most real estate investors and say, hey, I've got a great idea. Let's buy a new house, rent it, and pay top dollar for it or pay what they're asking for it. And they'd be like, yeah, uh, please, uh, you know, the grownups are talking here and, and they would dismiss it, right? But you didn't know that it wasn't normal. So you did it, right? So a couple things. First of all, just to help the people that are listening, because I'm trying to imagine what they're what they're asking. What part of the country do you live in? Well, right now I live in Monterey, California. Okay. So you live in California. So this wasn't like, not to disparage any states, but you weren't in like, the backwoods of Oklahoma. Like this wasn't a brand new build that cost $45,000 or something. I mean, this was... So the property is in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is... Right oh, okay. Okay. So it is in, so so I, it is in, in, in I, that part of the country. Okay, good. <laughs> so it's a little outside of Nashville and I was living there at the time. So I okay. also just happened to be in a market that was a great runner's market still to this day, which gotcha. I also didn't know was not always an opportunity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was two twenty, two hundred twenty thousand dollars. Okay. Um, like almost exactly two thousand square feet, three beds, two baths, a bonus room, and then just engineered hardwood, granite, beautiful counters, yep. huge pantry. You know, like master suite, everything, but a lot smaller. Typically in that area, the houses are like at least twenty six hundred square feet. Okay. Kind of a a little bit different in that area, but a highly sought after school district, great neighborhood, all that stuff. Okay. So what did it does it rent for? Right now it rents for 1860, but okay. once part of that includes um, lawn care and gas for the fireplace. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was kind of tacked onto it. So it's really like 1700 and their company actually pays their rent. Um, he works for LG. So oh, perfect. They're, they're just like, I want this, throw it into the yeah, lease. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Price is no object. Why did, how did you get started? You live there. I get it. You moved. So you just kind of stayed in that market in terms of your real estate. No, do you, and do you invest where you are now in, in California? No, I don't invest here. Um, and I, I looked into it when we first moved here, we've been here about 10 months. Um, and I looked into it a little bit and the reason I didn't really pursue it, um, wasn't necessarily the higher price point because I've done higher price point properties in Nashville that actually are pretty comparable to what you see out here. Right. Um, but really the discriminating factor here is the insurance fires are huge here. Um, and so it, so getting insurance period and then dealing with the insurance payments, if you can get it almost kills every deal you come across. Right. Okay. So you still have this property. You said it's still something people are trying to buy from you because it's so it's in such a good spot. So that was your first deal. And that was, was that back in 2018? Is that when it started? Yep. Okay. And then what happened from there? You got your first deal, successful, no renovations. That's cool. So you avoided contractors in that instance. Now what? Yeah. So apparently um, this one single deal made me feel like a superhuman because I pursued a full flip after that (laughs) and was very pregnant at the time. Um, So my dad and I, and it was kind of good timing. We, I was looking for something really, really particular. I just wanted a really small house with great bones and kind of a starter neighborhood. And I, I just had in my head this particular house. And when it came along, I was like, this is not really the best timing. 
Um, but I, I was like, I don't know when it'll come along again. Cause I had been looking for that for a while at yeah. a specific price point, but learned a ton, not only through the construction process, not only like building relationships with contractors and budgeting and planning a project, but even more so selling a starter home sell, you know, we bought the property for 25,000. We sold it for like 59,000. Okay. Um, and we just had a little bit of an issue with um, that demographic in terms of ability to close. Um, we lost the first contract the night before closing because they have a funding issue. So yeah, yeah. we had to start over. Um, so that was a little bit different, but um, I knew I was going to learn kind of like you were saying before. I knew going into it that I had so much to learn, yeah. but I felt like I had exhausted like all the books and all the podcasts. And I was like, I, I'm at my capacity with what I'm going to learn by just living it through other people. I need to just get out there and do it myself yeah. or, or I'm never going to move forward. Yep. Totally. So I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of things, but what were your big takeaways? What were your lessons you learned from that first flip? Well, one was just how important it is to have a team up front because we tried to hire some stuff out and we just weren't able to because either people would not show up at all for, you know, to give us a, an estimate or yep. they would give us an estimate and we'd hire them and then they still wouldn't show up. Yep. Um, or like some things were just way more expensive. Like the paint budget was way higher than I had any idea it should have been. Okay. Um, so I had to do that myself, do a lot of the paint myself, yeah. um, the details of, um, of the planning and like putting, getting the team together, but then also figuring out what happens in what order. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't know that, like, I had a pretty good idea cause I'd been around construction before, but didn't really know all the details and how much time might have to pass between this and that and right. all that. So, right. Okay. So was that in 2018 also, or were you the next year? That was 2018. That was okay. just a little bit later um, that summer. And then okay. we sold that. We finished that one like at the end of August or maybe early September. My daughter was born in October. And okay. then we we <laughs> lost the contract. Like I think my daughter was less than a week old when that contract fell through. Oh and so that was super devastating to put it yeah. back on the market again, especially because it was at that point like early November Yeah. and the holidays were coming up. And we, yep. I think we actually got our next offer on Christmas Eve. Wow. And it worked out fine, but it was just a little more stress than I would have liked. Everybody makes probably very similar mistakes. I, I did my first flip and I really thought I had it well thought out. I read all the books like you you know, like you said, I kind of attended all the masterminds and meetups and all this stuff. And I, and I made a ton of mistakes. And one of mine was I, I had a general contractor and he didn't pay his subs. So we had liens and all that kind of stuff. I learned oh, what a wow. release of lien meant in that first one. So that was huge. Um, so out of curiosity, I'm just take a step back a little bit. Um, if you can talk about it, I, cause I, this is the kind of thing where people listen to this and they go, that's great, but you bought a new house. How did you fund that? So that very first one was just a conventional loan. I brought 20% down, okay. um, which, which pretty much wiped me out. Um, so I, I did that and I was like, well, now what am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. You know, we just, we were starting a family. Like we didn't want to go down to nothing. Yeah. Um, but so I, that was like the majority of what it, I had to bring like $65,000, which was like everything that I saved the whole time I was in the army. Yeah. And then, um, after that we, so my husband, when my husband deployed, I sold my car and, um, I just drove his while he was gone. And so I used that money for the flip. And so I turned wow. like basically like 25,000 into 40. And that's when I kind of realized the power of flipping, like flipping wasn't really something I, I wanted to do or, or want to do long-term. I still do it here and there just to generate cash or quicker cash, I guess. Yeah. 
Um, but when I was looking at the returns on that house, like it cash flows like almost $400 a month. But I was like, $400 a month, it's going to take me a really long time to get up to $60,000 to yeah. buy my next property. Totally. And so I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand. And so that's when I started to like think outside of the box. I got seller financing on the flip property. So it was $25,000. Nice. They wanted half up front. So 12, five out of pocket. I put like another 13 into it, um, put some of it on a credit card. I like got it. No interest or, you know, no interest yep. for a year credit card. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. put the b- bulk of it on that. Um, and then paid off with the proceeds and ended up with like an extra 13 K at the end. That's awesome. That, is, I mean, listen, it's just, you do what you do. This is, I, I asked that question because that is one of the number one objections people have to like being a real estate investor. Like, I don't have any money. How do I get the money, right? I, yeah, in your case, you had a little bit of money, but you were creative. You did seller financing, right? You got most of that money you didn't have to come up with, or half of it at least, and you use credit cards and no interest things and apply. Like, that's how people start a lot of times. It just is, right? So it's just resourcefulness, just dealing with the situation and figuring out how am I going to get through it. And honestly, right now, it's really a, a I mean, this is the best time that I can think of to talk about like, okay, the cards are stacked a little bit against you right now. It's a little tougher. Can't leave our house. It provides some challenges, right? But if you have the will to get there, you'll figure out a way, right? It's like water finds a path kind of a thing. Absolutely. Um, that's awesome. So you you kind of alluded to you'll do a flip here and there now for cash flow and stuff. But what is your primary investment strategy today? What are you doing? So right now, I mean, I'm always open to um, I'm always looking, I guess. And um, I have lots of wholesalers, lots of agents. I'm doing some wholesaling myself. So right now, it's just if the right opportunity comes ar- comes along. And so I think the right opportunity for me is probably going to be something seller financed in the near term. We are actually going to build our own house. Uh, We're going to move away from here in another eight months or so. And so we're going to build our own house. So I'll be getting a, a VA loan for that. Okay. So I think I think in the meantime, while we're underwriting that, we'll probably stay away from any type of conventional financing, and we'll just pursue something that we can get seller finance or subject to or something like that, which is a little easier to come by when you are doing wholesaling because you're working directly with sellers, yep. and a lot of times this you know a seller will be in a position where they can't sell because of they need to get out from under the house, and so I teach them kind of how to make it a deal, how to get someone to buy it something that they can accommodate in, yeah. in terms of either seller financing or subject to a wraparound mortgage or something like that, that makes yeah. it a better deal. That gives me an opportunity to get my foot in the door on some that I like that come that way. So that's kind of yeah. the plan in the short term. I try to buy one every quarter. And, and you're I buying and holding, is that right? That's the yes. strategy? Yeah, buying. Yep. Okay. So that is my strategy. Yeah. I don't think I'll flip anytime soon. I'm kind of stuck under um, a high-end flip in Nashville right now that is hardly showing at all because of everything that's happening and people not wanting to be out yep. there. So I don't know how long I'm going to hold on to that, but it's it costs me a lot to hold on to every month. So I probably won't flip until we really figure out what what's happening with values and lenders and all that stuff. So okay. yeah, just keep pushing toward my portfolio. Yeah, fair enough. And honestly, this whole situation that we're in right now, for at the time this is being recorded, the the coronavirus is running wild through the country, and people are quarantined. Um, what do you think that'll do to your market, to your your rental market? I mean, I personally think it's probably going to strengthen it. Honestly, there's going to be more people looking for rentals. But what do, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I actually have two vacancies right now. Um, one, I just got an email this morning that they're filling. They're moving in on the 6th, so, okay. in, so in three days. Um, so that one filled incredibly fast. And then I have another um, another one that's vacant that there's been multiple applications for. So yeah. I'm surprised um, because, like I said, the flip that I have isn't showing very well or showing very often. Yeah. 
before this happened, it was showing two or three times a day. And now it's like maybe one every two or three days. Yeah. So I don't know what people are doing on the internet or whatever, but I don't think that my rentals will be affected. Maybe we might see a dip in value if we, you know, looked at, if we got an appraisal in a couple more months, but we're not selling those anytime soon. We're going to hold on to those. I have one, I have a 10 unit property that has somewhere between a C and B class property. And those tenants, a couple of them were struggling a little bit with their rent, but almost all of them, I think all but one, which I should know today if they pay or not, are getting assistance from the government or some other organization to help pay their rent. So that's cool. I looked into some of the forbearance stuff and I was like, well, this is a a good opportunity. I don't want to take advantage of it if I don't have to. Um, And it's not looking like I will be affected too hard as far as my my rentals go. And I'm not at all worried about their value. I know even if they dip, they'll come right back. Okay. No, that's fair. I mean, it's, you know, everyone's sort of speculating and trying to figure it out. No one really knows. Someone shared a video with me recently where they, they were kind of comparing what's happening right now to two different events because some people are saying, oh my gosh, this is like, everything's going to crash. This is awful. You know, your real real estate's not going to be worth anything. And other people are saying this is going to be a very short-term thing. And there were two, two periods in our recent, I'm doing air quotes, recent history where real estate, there was a scare, right? One was in 2007 and eight, when literally everything sort of crashed and real estate was devalued quite a bit and it lasted for a long time. The other time before that, where there was like a similar, it was a totally different scenario, but there was a similar feeling was 9-11, right? People didn't want to go outside. They were afraid to travel. There was some, everyone sort of like hunkered down and stopped doing anything for a while because they were scared. Well, 9-11 had nothing to do with real estate, obviously, right? That Real estate wasn't at the center of any of that, but there was a little bit of a scare. 2007 and 8, real estate was at the epicenter of that scenario, right? So the the video was basically saying, we're probably going to experience something closer to what, from the real estate standpoint, something closer to 9-11. It's a very temporary. There's a scare. People overreact a little bit. Not that 9-11 was an overreaction, but the, the real estate, you know, people not buying or selling or whatever. And, and, and this should pass relatively quickly. And I think when it happens, we might see a little bit of a demand surge, right? People who have been stuck inside. And the way I see it, there's people who want to rent properties or want to buy properties who feel like they can't leave their house they're going to be looking for it when the ban is lifted. So anyways, I think there's reason to be hopeful. Um, hopefully, this doesn't result in a lot of people losing their houses and, and going bankrupt and that kind of thing. And hopefully, some of the stimulus package doesn't work. But bottom line is, as, as a real estate investor, I think this could end up being, you know, there could be a silver lining here. There could be some positives that come out of it. So um, I'm yep. with you. I'm, I'm positive about it, honestly. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think that in a lot of ways, what happened in 2008, 2009, it was great for the industry as a whole. And I don't think we'll, they will ever make those same mistakes. You know, there's no way they're going to let that specific history repeat itself. And yeah. so I think the industry itself is significantly stronger than it was. And yeah. then hopefully individual borrowers are as well. Um, yeah. But I agree. I think we, you know, our whole economy is based on faith in the system. And right yeah. now it's just, it's hard to grasp anything. So I think we will see, um, it typically like real estate kind of trails behind the stock market by a quarter or so. But I think I don't think that's going to be the case now. I think it's like you said, it's it's sort of that sudden knee jerk reaction yeah. that's going to cause the dip. And I do think it'll come back as well. And yep. a lot of stuff is happening right now. And if people use the stimulus money and businesses use the stimulus money the way that it's meant to be, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, totally. I, you know, it's funny. I have so I do primarily wholesaling. I do flipping too, but I'm primarily a wholesaler. And what I'm seeing is we have buyers who 
are calling us and trying to renegotiate their agreed upon price that's going to close in a few days, you know, because of all this. And we have buyers that said, we want to buy as much as possible right now. Like this is, we feel like this is the time to get out there and, and start buying because there's so many people that are having this knee jerk reaction that it's a great time for us. Right. And as a wholesaler, you know, we're more inclined to take uh, offers a little bit sooner than we were before, right? Just because it's we're, velocity is kind of what we're shooting for now. So there is some opportunities all the way around. You know, like I said, hopefully this doesn't last that long and people aren't affected too too badly. But I think, like again, purely real estate perspective, I don't think it's a bad thing. Yep, I agree. So out of curiosity, going back slightly, we're kind of regressing, but where do you find your deals now nowadays? Where are you getting most of them? Everywhere. I've got wholesalers in different markets. We're expanding into a couple different markets. Okay. Um, I've got realtor relationships everywhere. Um, I use Facebook. You know, I don't even know where half the, I get probably 30 emails a day and I don't even remember signing up for half of these email lists, <laughs> right, right. but I get lots and lots of stuff coming at me. And that's because something that I work on every single day is networking. It's okay. something that I, it's a KPI of mine. It's something I do every day. I think that's like the most productive thing you can do in this totally. industry. Yep. And so I think, you know, as a result of basically doing that for two years, I've just built this base of just deals flowing at me. Yeah. And I don't even know where half of them come. I actually just was on the phone with a guy recently in San Antonio and he was like, how did you get on my list? I was like, I don't know. I think you reached out to me. And <laughs> it was so funny. That's awesome. So it sounds like it's a lot of relationship based, which is cool because, you know, there's a lot of investors out there that are spending a lot of money on marketing, right? And they need that deal volume to come in. And and I think the smart play, I don't, I don't have anything against spending money on marketing, but it's very, very smart that at least a component, if not a big chunk of your marketing is relationship based, right? Like that doesn't cost money. It takes time. And there's a little bit of time that you have to invest in that relationship, but the dividends can be awesome. And and it's very, very smart. I think people should stop trying to push the easy button all the time on just spending money and go out and talk to people and make relationships. So that's awesome. That's super cool. So what do you see? What's your plans for the future? You talked about expansion. That's awesome. Well, wow, we didn't really talk about this too much. It's probably something I think people are going to be very interested in. Doing remote real estate. What's the biggest challenge that you're finding doing it remotely, living in California and having other markets? It's just that trust factor with your boots on the ground. Um, I know like we're in San Antonio and we're super, we have a great team there. I, I would trust them. I mean, I've bought, I've bought properties just by them saying, this is a, this is a good deal. I'm going to do good things with it. Like without really even needing to look into it, obviously I look at the numbers, but yeah. I couldn't really care less about the property for the most part, especially yeah. if I'm flipping great. I have a great realtor and a great contractor there their knowledge and their sort of blessing of a property is enough for me to say, okay, where do I sign? In Nashville, it's a little different. And I've actually been, I was in Nashville when I started building that team and have been in Nashville for a lot longer, but I, I don't have quite that team there. My realtor is amazing and she has a great team and I rely on them a lot. I have them do inspections and things like that just to keep my contractors in line, I guess. And not in line, but you know, make sure that what I think they're doing is what they're actually doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to do that because I had a really bad experience with a contractor recently, uh, right, okay. right before the holidays. And it was bad and it's still bad. I still own that property because they did such a bad renovation and the input, I lost a contract because of it. I've had to send in people behind them to fix oh. it. And it's, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, <laughs> so. I know. 
I think house flipping is great. I'm nothing against it, but I did it for about six years before I switched my model to wholesaling. And there are things that I don't miss, and that is that is one of them. Contractors are they're interesting and they can be a struggle, and it seems they're very um, self destructive sometimes. No, you know, yes, despite the fact absolutely. they're getting paid on time and as agreed, uh, they have a tough time. So it's a whole art in itself. It's a completely different podcast that could be hours long about how to hire, find, train, maintain, incentivize contractors. Um, so it sounds like you're doing about one a quarter, not flips, but uh, you're buying and holding one a quarter. How often are you flipping nowadays? Obviously, the end of the year probably soured you a little bit, but how how often do you like to do that or what are your projections for this year? For this year, this I might be done for the year. I really okay. don't know. I um I finished another flip. It was sold on New Year's Eve. Um, okay. And that was actually, that one was really cool because I was a little disappointed when I saw the num- the money that it made. It only it only turned like an eleven thousand dollar profit, and I was kind of bummed. But then I went back and I looked at my accounts, and I used hard money for that, and then I borrowed the down payment. So I okay. turned like four hundred dollars into over eleven thousand dollars. So I was like, yeah. well, when I look at it that way, I yep. can't be disappointed in that. Totally. So that one that one is a better experience, but just didn't sell as as much as I would have liked. Okay. But I was willing to give that one away because I was dealing with this other one and it was right before the holidays that we got the contract and everything. So I think I might just be, I just might need a little bit of a break from the flipping right now. And also just want to kind of pursue this wholesale thing. Something I sort of just came across, got in contact with a seller who, who was trying to sell me a property. And I was like, I don't really want this property, but I signed the contract and I was like, well, that was easy. (laughs) And also kind of fun, you know, it was also kind of fun to connect that seller who needed something with a buyer who was looking for that exact thing. And we're going to focus on that for at least the near term. But if I never had to flip a house again, that would be fine with me. It's great. It can be really lucrative, but it's also very time consuming. And then also what I hate about it is that it's not on your schedule. Like you don't get to decide when the wa- the basement gets flooded yeah. and you don't yeah. get to decide when your contractor like loses his mind. Yep. And so when you're at home with a four-year-old and a one-year-old, that's just not what I want for my business and for yep. my family. I'm going to take a break from that. And I'm, my goal is just to replace that income with coaching income and with wholesale income, and then hopefully never need that again. Yeah, that's huge. And people sometimes overlook that. It's super important. Figure out what you want in your life, how you want to structure it, what what kind of time commitment you want to make, and pursue that type of real estate career, right? So for me, I flipped for a number of years, like I said, and I never really got that huge rush out of turning that ugly house into a pretty house. And some people that they're all about it, right? Or they watch the flipping shows and they're like, hey, that looks like that looks cool. I want to do it. But they hate dealing with people and negotiating with contractors and dealing with the drama that goes there. Me personally, I'm so impatient about everything in my life that I like the velocity of wholesaling. I love that you get a contract and you disposition it and it's gone and you get paid within sometimes days, but at worst, a couple of weeks and, and you're getting paid. And I like that. I mean, there's struggles that go along with it. Obviously, there's there is that marketing on the front end, especially if you're scaled up. Sometimes that's a component. So there's there's pros and cons. And but the point is, you have to know yourself and know what you like doing, right? So if if dealing with contractors' drama and last minute problems isn't your favorite thing in the world, you probably maybe would not want to do flipping. You might want to look at something else. So. That's awesome. You're doing the the buy and hold thing, which is great. I mean, a lot of people will tell you that is the true truest form of investing, right? Because you're you are investing. So buying it, brand. Do you buy them new? By the way, still is that a, still a thing, or was that a one off? 
We've, we've done it twice. Um, and actually the second one was, uh, something we were planning to move into and then the military, um, put us on orders okay. and changed our plans. So there's okay. a tenant in that one, but we'll move into that one at some point. Um, I'm sure kind of piggyback off of what you were just saying. So that's something that you can see behind me. This is like my vision board. And these are like my goals, my long-term strategies and everything like that. My long-term strategy is to build a cash flowing portfolio yep. that we can retire off of. And so I sometimes can get wrapped up with like, I'll get, I'll see this great deal. And I'm like, I want to flip this. And then I want to do five flips. And then I realize I'm like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. This is, those are a way to make money, yeah. but it's not contributing to my end state. And so I, yeah. I think just encouraging those listeners to figure out what they want to do is half the battle because you could just be told, there's so many different things you can do in real estate and so many different strategies that you can pursue. And I think if you go down a rabbit hole, it could take you off course from what you really do want to be doing, or maybe should be doing to contribute to your own end state. Yep. I totally agree. I think people look at what other people are doing too and they go, oh, that looks, they look like they're happy and that's what they are doing. But it's not what you want. It doesn't contribute to your lifestyle and the lifestyle you want. Totally agree. I think that's great advice. So if you could start completely over, right? Wipe the slate clean with what you know now, what would you do? How would you start uh, investing? What would be your first thing? I would not do anything different. I think everything that I've learned and every step back that I've taken has contributed to the person you see now and the business that you see here. And what I've learned, even this flip that I'm kind of struggling with in Nashville, that I had a bad renovation and it's a high-end flip and it's not selling and who knows when it will sell. Yeah, I've learned that even it, this house cost me like $8,000 a month um, just to hold on to. But what I've learned is that somehow I keep coming up with $8,000 a month to make this work. And so I've realized like I can make the money that I need to, to keep this floating. And I just keep coming up with ways to find the money and continue to do other things as well. And also just that I'm getting really creative on how to, how to get rid of this house. Like I'm pursuing (laughs) now I'm doing like a lease to own situation. Okay. None of them, none of them involve like a gas can and a a (laughs) tour. None of that. Not that creative. Right. I've considered it, but no, (laughs) I'm like, that would be, they're actually when the tornadoes went through Nashville a couple weeks ago, about, about four or five weeks ago, tornadoes went through Nashville. And my first thought was, Oh my gosh, I hope my properties are okay. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, I hope that one fell to the ground. (laughs) Cause there's nobody in it. Like it would be, you know, repercussions, but, um, but yeah, so I've kind of just learned that I'm going to figure this out. And I now have this confidence that I didn't have before in my ability to make income and my ability to get creative. And so now I'm doing like a lease to own strategy. I'm trying to get 10% down to give me a little bit of wiggle room. I've gotten a lot of hits on that. So hopefully in the next couple of days, I will have dug myself out of this hole and at least bought myself some time. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Now, one last thing, and I, I will let you go, but I, I'm just curious if you can give the listener some idea because you're remote. So the trust factor, we talked about that. That's a big one for people. The other one is like, what kind of systems, processes do you have to make sure things are happening and how do you manage that remote team? Yeah. So I use pretty big, like all my systems are built through basically Excel and and a Google drive with contracts, but really I use contracts as the base of my system. Every person that I work with is contracted. And partially why I do that is because I have a really, really bad memory. And I might tell you, Hey, I'm going to pay you 70. Yeah. Yeah. I might be like, I'm going to pay you $75 to do an inspection. And then they come and they, they come back. I'm like, I was going to pay you 50. And they're like, no, you said 75. And so it helps me to get it all on paper, have everybody agree to it. It helps to alleviate any 
any issues, arguments, things like that. Um, And a lot of the people that I do work with are friends and, you know, people that I'd like to have a relationship with forever. So I don't ever want business to get in the way of that. So that helps like having it in black and white helps a ton with not only like organization, but also just delineating roles and figure out what you agreed to. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big, uh, so my contracts are pretty standard. Like I have my contractor contract. I have my inspector contract. I have my realtor contract. They obviously adjust a little bit by property, but that sort of is my system. And then yeah. I just have an Excel sheet and it's like contract drafted, contract signed, contract archived, like all that kind of stuff. It just, um, just to keep track of it. But yeah. I don't think you need to have a fancy system. I don't think you need to pay for a platform. I think you could do it in a notebook if you wanted to, but it's just making sure that you're organized and you know where you are. And then also that everything that you're expecting to happen or you think is going to happen, that the other person is on the same page as you. So that communication is huge. Yeah, I love it. And honestly, you know, they always say the the best system or the best you know, CRM or the best process is the one you follow, right? So having a fancy CRM, not using it is not helping you. You're much better off using a notebook if you're going to open it up and use it. So I love it. I love using contracts. I've been burned on that at that front as well. Just trusting people and, you know, and, and like you said, it's not always about being dishonest. It's about forgetting and just legitimately not, you can't keep all this in your head, right? So I'm bad about that too. My memory is the worst. So I, I have to write everything down and have, I do have a little bit more complex systems than that because I, I'll, I will forget to even look in my notebook. Like I need redundancies. I was telling you that before we logged on here. Um, you know, just recording this, I have redundancies. So I don't, and I did, as a matter of fact, partway through, there was one recording mechanism that I use as a very, like a third backup. I forgot to hit it. So it's like, I can't even remember my redundancies. That's how bad I am. So <laughs> anyways, all good. Listen, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you doing this. Um, thank you for your service. No, um, don't want to blow past that and your husband as well. I think that's awesome. And your your story is inspiring. And I, I just, I love that a lot of what you've done You've just figured it out. No one told you how to do this. Like you, you worked through it. You had a problem, and then you figured out how to get through it. And I think if people just embrace that alone, they would be so much better off. But it's like, tell me how to do it. Give me some button to push that I can just. It all just happened. I don't have to worry about it. Right? It's just not the way it works. At least not in the beginning. It's not the way it works. And and if you can get to that point, good for you. But uh, I, I don't know many people that got much in life that's worthwhile without hard work. So, um, so hats off to you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, uh, if people want to reach out, I don't know if you're open to that, but if they want to and you're open to it, how could they do that? Yeah, please do. I love talking about this. I love awesome. helping people. Um, I'm My website is, my company's BC Global Investments. So okay. my website is um, bcglobalinvestments.com. Cool. I'm on um, Facebook and Instagram at the Aaron Helly. And my email address is just Aaron, E-R-I-N, at bcglobalinvestments.com. Awesome. That is so cool. Thank you for providing that because I'm sure people are going to want to ask you questions. I do this I do this tons of times and invariably somebody will email me and go, hey, you didn't ask them this. So they may reach out to you. So <laughs> be, be ready for that. I can't anticipate all that. But again, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Stay safe, um, stay healthy, and uh, uh, best of luck to you in the future. Thank you. You too. Thank okay. you so much. Thanks. All right, guys, I think we had another good one there with Erin. I really appreciate her coming on and telling her story. Very inspirational. Love how she adapts and change at every turn of her life when things are not the way they want, the way she wants them to be. She makes them happen and makes them conform to what 
her goals are, not to what is happening around her. And I think that's a huge message for everybody. I mean, she was in the military, got deployed the same time as her husband and decided, listen, this isn't what I want for my family, but not what I want for my kids. Like, I need to be here. So she abruptly pivoted in her life and pursued real estate and worked through everything that real estate threw at her. And we all know it can throw a lot of things. So I'm happy that she was on the show. I'm hoping that you guys got a lot out of that. I know I got a lot out of it as the interviewer. And I really uh, like meeting people like Aaron because it's very inspirational to me. So hopefully you guys love that. We're going to continue to bring great stuff to you. So please tune in. And as always, if you have goals, if you have aspirations, if you want things to change in your life, there's no way that's going to happen if you don't get out there and just start. All right, guys. See you next time. Okay, you're still here. That's super cool. And because you're still here, I know you're serious about your business. You listen to the whole episode. You're obviously trying to get more information to help you in your business. And because of that, I have a very very special offer that I want to share with you. For a very short period of time, there is a video series. It's actually a vault of videos that have been created uh, over the last six to eight months by me, by some friends of mine who are really crushing it in real estate investing, wholesalers and flippers who know their stuff. They're doing high volume. They really have this thing dialed in. We put together some videos and I want to share them with you now. Normally, these videos sell for like 4600 bucks to get all of them. Right now, they're on sale for $1,497. And I'm telling you, as I'm recording this, I have no idea when that special is going to be up. We're, we're kind of extending it a little bit right now. We announced it about a week ago. We're extending it because of the interest in it but I don't know when it's going to be back to its normal price. I really don't. But in this video vault, there is everything you need to know to run your business from A to Z. Everything from finding motivated sellers, finding buyers who are dying to buy properties from you, how to find and manage contractors, what kind of paperwork should you have in place? What kind of contracts do you need to work with these guys? All of these things. How do you uh, comp a property? How do you know what to buy it for? How do you know what to sell it for? Estimating repairs. like How do you know what it should cost to fix a property? The wholesaling process is laid out for you as well. How to find properties, what to do when you get them under contract. What does that paperwork and that structure look like to run a wholesaling company that is profitable? How do you run a flipping company from A to Z? Finding money. Like I said, ARV, finding properties on the MLS, uh, finding deals without even spending money. Like all of these videos are there for you. And like I said, normally this is, it's a little bit expensive. It's normally around 4,600 bucks, but right now it's 1497. Uh, and like I said, as I record this, I don't know when that price is going to go up. I really don't. So go there and at least check it out. You owe it to yourself to do that. Go check out these videos and here's how you do it. You go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash vault. Again, that's juststartrealestate.com forward slash vault. And that will take you there and you can see all the videos that are in there. I mean, I'm scrolling through them right now. Marketing strategies. How do you market for properties? Skip tracing, using list services to find buyers and sellers. Um, Bandit signs. I mean, those still work, guys. People are doing them. Google ads, cold calling, ringless voicemail, text blasting, Facebook ads, if that's something you want to try, how to set appointments with sellers, direct mail, and, and, and templates for your direct mail. Like, Not only how do you do direct mail effectively, here's some examples of ones that work. You can just have them, right? Negotiating skills. How do you talk to buyers and sellers? All the sales training, behind the scenes sales meetings with successful teams who are running 
sales inside their company. Like, what does it sound like? You're going to get behind the scenes and hear some of these meetings. What's going on? What are they telling their teams? How are they getting deals right now? All of this is in the video vault and all of this is available to you for less than half of its normal cost. This is a time to take advantage of it, guys. The price will go back up. I promise you that the price will go back up. But for now, it's super inexpensive. So at the very least, go and look, go see what videos are in this vault and, and you'll go through these and see, oh my gosh, like you can start and run a successful business at scale with these tips. And by the way, you don't have to be running a huge business. This is for people who are just starting out too. There's tons of videos in here that explain every single bit of it and walk you through the process. So go check it out again, guys. It's at juststartrealestate.com forward slash vault. I promise you, you won't be disappointed, but at least go check it out. You owe it to yourself to do that right now. It's a crazy time in our world, and this kind of a resource can get you through it and make all the difference in your business. So go check it out. And if you want to drop me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com, let me know what you think. Uh, but go there now before the price goes up. Because if you do decide that you need this for your business, and I think you will, don't pay double the cost in a month or in a few weeks or even in a week, because I don't know when the price is going to go up. So go check it out, juststartrealestate.com forward slash vault. And I know you're going to love it. All right. See you guys.